tell you one thing strange, may seem. I actually saw the custom house four courts going up, and I saw it from Blackwire Bridge in Phibsbury. At uh, Blackwire Bridge, there used to be a, used to be a cinema there, and there was a butcher shop. And I was in the butcher shop with with the aunt, and well, she was in buying the old meat, and I was what that was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty-one, twenty-two. 22. Yeah, it would have been six. Yeah, I'm old enough, I suppose, to remember. But it stood, one thing like that stands out in your mind. I remember Collins's funeral. I remember Griffith's funeral as plain as day. Because they went by the gate and we were all, I would all march down to see the Bloomin' funeral. Well, that had been in 23, I think it would be. I wasn't even at school, I don't think, at the time. I was probably at my nails oh, down, down the road in, in private school on Whipwood Road. That's where I was sent to. Um, was that down, I didn't know, is that, where was that school as a matter of interest now? Whipwood Road, halfway down, in fact, my, near, uh, near what, it's now the, the hospital, you know the hospital. The matter had it as a convalescing home. The, 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 no, yeah, but there was, that was um, Drumcondra Hospital, they called it. Oh. I, I think that's what they called it, because I remember some of my sisters and that going in there and getting their tonsils out and things like that or in, in that place. And the school was just in the houses, just this side of it there. Mrs. McEnroe, great nun up there, Sister Mary Gabriel, she was great. Did I, we, in fact, one thing, uh, after I went to, from there to Belvedere, I used to go back an odd time, and the kids all got to know us coming back, and the minute we go back to the school, the whole lot got a day off, and she sat down to have a talk with us, you know, <laughs> sent them all home, she was a gas character. Sister Mary Gabriel? Sister Mary Gabriel, yeah. Oh, she was a holy terror, but she was... Um, Toppers, topper none. You, you would remember traffic on the canal. Oh yeah, I, oh yes, I do. Yeah, the, the canal barges. Oh yes, they were operating up to the war, start of the war. In fact, the the last ones coming up used to come up to the mill there beside us, all carrying grain from the north wall. They used to bring it up to the north city mills, and of course they're all gone now. That's right. That whole place has changed. There's a Shandon Park mill at the top. The Shandon middle. Park, yeah, was gone. That that used to make. Waistcoats for sausages and things like that. Waistcoats for sausages. <laughs> um, and I, I hear now that the, the, the printers, what do you call it? Um, that were oh, bid, Dakota. D- Dakota, I knew them very yeah. well. Oh, they're closed up, but I believe they're building flats or something, knocking the whole place down. In fact, when I was going to school where um, Smurfitz is now, that was Alec Tong, the printers, and then Players Factory was next to it. I remember them being built. There was no, that was just open ground there. And now they're, oh, that's gone. Like it's all Smurfish now. But it's a fine <coughs> building. It's a what? fine building. Oh, they're fine, fine building. Fine oh, yeah, building. yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. Only a cigarette company could do it. Yeah. yeah. They had the business. <coughs> then at the back of them, at the back of that building, there was a firm called Carton Printers. And we in the machine shop, it was firms like that that kept us going. We did a tremendous amount of maintenance work in those places. The North City Mailers, we did an awful lot of work for them. And then out Fingless Way, Maryville Dairy, we, we supplied them all their transport. We used to assemble AEC trucks and we did all the maintenance on the bottling plant there. Then out a bit further, the crowd that make the tanks. Uh, oh, Wesso. Wesso. Yeah. And we did an awful lot of work for them out there. But all, a lot of those factories are in places that they're all disappeared. They have? Yeah. And, and all the Unidare uh, complex. Yeah, we did a lot for Unidare, yeah. And yeah. The, there was ah, there was, there was a whole heap of them there, and then on the other side, bachelors. Uh, 
Yeah, the tin food, never let a bachelor pee in your kitchen. You ever hear that saying? That was no. the ad. No. No. Huh? Huh? There no. was some around the government and my man, some, some, I don't know whether it was a woman, a deputy or something, said, never let a bachelor pee in your kitchen. <laughs> I, t I took delivery of the first aeroplanes that came in here in, on the 6th of September 1930 because my old man crashed in one of the aeroplanes that never got here. So I was the only one here to collect them. <laughs> I don't know, my father um, was uh, got a contract in the engineering business of maintaining all the transport for the Irish American Oil Company. And uh, Mr. Jim Malone was their chief engineer. And he joined the Irish Aero Club, became a member on the board of the Irish Aero Club in about 1927 or 28, something like that. And being a friend of my father, spoke about it and encouraged him then. And he, he went with him over to England and they picked out three aeroplanes and or ordered, he ordered like two new ones and a second-hand one and bought them and they were delivered. Or the, the three that were to be delivered, or only two of them came in, on the 6th of September, 1930. So that's the... And from there on, oh yes, he went into Baldonnell and uh, immediately saw that once you were in a place like that, you couldn't get on with the military. So he gave them the two fingers and said, Shagger, I'll build my own airfield across the river. Over in fact, he tried to get um, Collinstown Airport. Or that, that was, yeah, Collinstown, it's Dublin Airport now. And the British owned it at the time. Didn't know that? Well, the same as they owned the ports and whatnot. When did they hand the ports over? That was coming, that's late. Yeah. Or something. yeah, that well, that's when uh, that's when they didn't move into. Um, I don't know what it was, but everything was hedged. But they they seemed to push the old man off in any case, trying to get the place there. But uh, I think they moved into Conestone and Erlingus moved in, in nineteen forty, something like that. So. So where did you go? Where did, where did he well, go? Uh, well, or um. Kildona was shut down at that time during the war. And it would have been shut down probably because it was so close to Dublin Airport, actually, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. How long yeah. would Kildona be in operation? I mean, uh, from 1931 until 37 or 38, I think, something like that. Do you have a memory of it yourself? I do. I'm sure I went. I flew on the place, went solo on the place in, in 1933, I think. Yeah. And what was Fingers like, your memory of Fingers? Ah. Uh, if you blinked, you've gone on one side and out the other side. It was only a tiny place. I'd rather include the hangars. The chief engineer was a man named Curry, and he left. I went back to England, and immediately after the war, he designed and built a very famous little biplane called the Curry Watt, which there's numbers of them flying around. A couple of them here in, in Ireland at the moment flying. Now, he's dead and gone, of course, now a long time. Right. Mm. And how then did the, did the business develop? Uh, it didn't. came to a full stop with the war. Yeah. Yeah. And but what was the intention? To build up a, a freight business? Uh, I think my old man always said he was sucking the wrong hind tit. <laughs> in other words, when he went into business in 1930-31, Mr. Cosgrove was in, in power. And in the f elections at the end of 1931-32, whenever it was then, 
he backed Cosgrove to the hilt. In fact, he put 32 cars at the disposal for their election propaganda and whatnot. And of course, the other party come in, Dave and company, and they, didn't, they screwed him then. That was it. The, the, was the, the family business based at Cross Guns originally? It was originally, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, Cross Guns was the headquarters office of Iona National Airways as well. Although we had an office in in uh, 26 West Mormon Street as well. Oh, yeah. Do you know that there's a glass window in that building with yeah. Iona? I have it out in the back here. Have you? Yeah, I rescued it. Very good. Yeah. yeah. In fact, um, sort of a, a, a Telefacern came along and helped me. Oh, really? Yeah, take it out, yeah. Yeah. They're turning it into a pub or something, or an, a, right. a lap dance club or something. Well, that'd be nice. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and if it was, would you bother going down? Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the motor trade. Yeah, yeah. And so it was a natural, like, have uh, a degree of knowledge about mechanics. Exactly. So it was a natural. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. How did, how did you take it yourself? Did you say, I like this, I love it? What, what, what was it about it that appealed to you? Uh, I had my first flight in an aeroplane here in September 1930 out of this field where the houses are built at the back here. Really? And the pilot, I gather, had instructions to put that little bugger off, flying for good. And that was the instructions he got. So I saw Rockabill from over my head, below my head, saw it from all angles, and I enjoyed it, and that was it. <laughs> they were parking uh, up the wrong guy there. Exactly, yeah. So well, I worked in the garage until start a war in, in 40. Then I went into the army and I did three and a half years in the army. And that, I could see that was the end of war. Came out of the army again, got down to the motor car business. And um, I did a lot of car driving and trials driving and car racing. And I met a friend of mine from Sligo, a lad named Murray. And he happened to have a little tiny aeroplane and he, by some means or other, he found out that I could fly. And he said, how about coming out for a flight? So I went flying with them, I think, somewhere in the, I don't know what it was, the late 40s or early 50s out of Weston. And there was one mistake I'd made in the 30s that I never bothered to get a license to fly. Well, you see, in those days, you hadn't to have a license. Now you have to have a license, <laughs> even before you go flying. I got interested in flying, then I went out to Derby Kennedy, and he checked me out. I think, I forget now, I'd have to look at my log, but I think I was about 52 or something, he said. So you can go and apply for a license anytime. So I got, got my license then. I only got a student pilot's license. Got my pilot's license then. But then, in the late 50s, um, there was a number of aircraft put up for sale by the British government, and they were all chipmunks. There was a lad named Montgomery bought five or six of them out at Weston, and they were all lying there, and they weren't able to make anything out of them. So a friend of mine, uh, Wilfield Fitzsimons, who's alive today, he's only 90 at the moment, he's pushing on very well, but he had a friend in the Air Ministry, and I happened to question Wilfield, and he said, wait now, I'll get in touch with my friend, and I got the nod, bid £200 a piece for them, and there was a hundred of them. And I got a letter back asking me how many I wanted, and I nearly dropped dead. <laughs> so at the time, I had two shillings to rub together, and I uh, approached my old man for a couple of thousand quid to buy six of them, I think. And uh, he gave me a big lecture about how much he'd lost on flying before the war, but he gave me the money and I bought them. And 
when I turned them from 200 pounds into a couple of thousand pounds each when I sold them, he said, there must be money in this business. So then as a result of that, I, uh, Lord Kildare started here and he approached me to assemble airplanes for him. So I started assembling Piper aircraft. I assembled, I think, about 12 or 14 of them. They were all sent out to Egypt, I think, as crop sprayers for killing what you call lotus protection or something like that. So as a result of that, I decided that there was there could be money in it. And I, the old man had bought a piece of ground out at Dublin Airport, and I looked for permission to build on this, but I was offered. That was the biggest mistake I ever made, to take land from Arianta, because the lease had an immediate ending in it. Uh, the lease was 10 years or a moment's notice. Yes. So, and I'm very annoyed with things. And when I hear that Aer Lingus got a 99-year lease, did you see that from the ground they have at, at the thing? Yeah. But the unfortunate thing about the lease was every 10 years, when, when I got the ground, I was dealing with industry and commerce. There was no Arianta. Then Arianta took over, and then they started screwing us. And, ah, became untenable. Every organisation, company. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Well, I feel very annoyed because it was blocked from all angles. Uh, Odette will tell you there that we got a contract with Libya, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And we moved to Cork and set up a flying school down there. And we got a contract for to train 40 Libyan pilots. And it was worth, oh, forget now, in millions it was worth a lot of money. The government stopped it. And then... We had a big contract with uh, Federal Express, so they suddenly shut down business here and got out of Europe. They said they were losing money. Well, all that yeah. had its repercussions. Right, well, let's go back again at the early days. So you took the, you, instead of buying the land, you took the, the offer of the, the lease on? Well, they offered me uh, a lease of land, and the, the, the rent for the land was the same as renting agricultural land. Well, of course, we had to develop the land. We had to build on it. But then, unfortunately, when Arianta uh, uh, took over, they started thinking that land was worth telephone numbers and, and the, the rent went off the clock. And then there was another thing. We never paid rates there. There was never any rates. And then there was a crowd called Fingal County Council. Did you ever hear of them? <laughs> I can't think of that. May remember him. The fellow came in with the wheelie business and he wheelie the car park. And said that makes money, and then he went out and wheelie the place for parking. And oh, that must make twice as much money. And and the, the, they put the rents and rates and cost of the place before doing anything was beyond went beyond everything. Well, it is. They're flying in all over the world. In fact, the funny thing was that I had Seki ring me up the other day. There rings up, or rings me up regularly to know how I am. Your organisation responsible for an awful lot of things which I won't admit to. <laughs> That we trained? Yeah. 20 a year? Yeah. Oh, we did. We, some of them got went stayed with us and got the commercial yeah. license. Oh, yes, yes, they did, did yeah. yeah. But some of them wants to do it quicker because you couldn't... Sometimes the restrictions at Dublin... Well, no, they're terrible now at the moment. You're not allowed to fly at all there now. They're glad to have all the small airplanes out of there. Yeah. But um, I would say we trained hundreds, hundreds of pilots now. Sure, ten years and ten, ten years a hundred, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. Um, and and in flying that there were 
Well, they're only hairy moments. They must be <laughs> <very> hairy moments. <laughs> oh, yes, a lot of them, yeah. Right. A lot of them. Can you, is there any one that stands out in your mind as being a really near miss? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got hung up on a tree down in, <laughs> in Cork, and that was one. That was the worst one I had. I had another one. Uh, I forced landed outside a bore in an old Oster, where I made a perfect landing on that one. I was the personal pilot of Charlie Hockey. <laughs> used to go on a bearing expedition with them now and again, yeah. Now right. I flew him down I had one famous trip with him, I flew him down to um what's the place in Sha or in Farm Four. To open Farm Four. Do you remember that time? No. And old Charlie knew every blade of grass on the way down. Knew all the farms and knew everything like that. Oh we used to bring him out. Oh well love poor old Lord Everstroke, yeah. In fact, I remember once going out there and I thought I'd never get back off the island. Desperate man. He had a great wine cellar there. Yes. Oh, yeah, too great, yeah. Man from the north down many a time when they were starting this. Oh, John Hume, do you remember that? We flew him yeah. down many a time. We had to rush up for get him down to Dublin for certain things. Yeah. What was the passenger end of the business like? Was it worthwhile or was it...? Well, well our main thing was old definitely mostly charter work. We did try a lot of schedules, but there were a dead loss. And there was a, a subsidy of oh, a couple of pence per seat or something like that. <coughs> but it wasn't Dublin Dairy. But we did the place up in, in, in Donegal, sure. Or, 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 yeah, Carrick Finn. We flew up and down to Carrick Finn on a Sligo. Yeah. And then I think, we, of course, we did Belfast, but of course, Belfast is a dead loss. Uh, you could drive up, see, with Belfast and Dublin, going through the airport, you have to be there an hour before your flight, and then you have to fiddle around. And Well, we did a lot of charters, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we had, like, the, 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 uh, this fella Tidy and all these people belonging to, who, who was Tidy with? Ben Dunn, we flew them all around the place, yeah. But now, so so in, in your business, you have the you have the training aspect, there was a training aspect to your business. Yeah. There was a freight aspect to your business. Yeah. There was a passenger service. Yeah. For charter part of your business. Yeah. So what else did, was there any other elements? Well, then we had a, a big maintenance business. We were looking after forty or fifty aeroplanes there. I don't know where they're all gone to now. Or, you know. But so, so, so Iona Air was a busy. Was a was a very busy. Uh, I think around the time of shutting down, was it one hundred and thirty we'd employed or something? There was a total of one hundred and thirty between there and Cork. I'm looking back at all the planes. Did you have a fondness for a particular model? Well, I do. I like the 182. It was a beautiful aeroplane. Grant. I don't know the thing, too. I sold the Army eight Cessnas. They still have them. They're the only things that are flying now. Everything else is... In 1922 or 23, he knocked down two policemen in Westmoreland Street and kept going. And I was in the car. And... Uh, only vague recollections of it, but I was in. I gave evidence in court, and the whole I, I had the bit of paper and I've, from newspaper I got so thing, and I just I have to try and dig up the copy of it. But every Sunday he went to Twenty Seven Chelmsford Road over to see my granny. That'd be my mother's, and of course a few scoops and talking, and, and then he drives back. And there was a bloke named Cavan over that side. He used to come on the tram all the way over to our house and visit my mother and they'd have a talk and he was going back on the tram and he was in the tram coming over O'Connor Street Bridge and saw the accident from the top of the tram and he jumped off and got into the tram and went back and told him come on you've got to come down to Mount Joy and report it I'm bound to catch up with you so we appeared in court and he was travelling at the horrible speed of 19 mile an hour <laughs> in an old T-model Ford 
And have two. One, twenty-two, about six. Yeah, yeah. Five, six, seven, seven. Can you remember seven. the outcome? Do you remember what the outcome was? Oh, yeah, he just, not, nothing much of mm-hmm. those times. But actually what happened was, the trams were in the middle of the road, you see, and these two, before the tram stopped, they jumped off, and he was passing the tram on the inside, and they just dropped off in front of Nino. Yeah. He upscuttled both of them, and that was it. <laughs> but that's very funny. <laughs> and another thing too, himself and Pat Doyle, travelling from Lessington in to Dublin, hit the steam tram, I think, another time. The steam tram, that's you, you know there was a steam tram running yeah, out the there. Out the blessing from Turnure. And it used to switch across once, and it did a switch, and they were coming down, they collected it. And Maybe it's just that, William. I mean, whatever it is about a car going off the road, Yeah. Uh, but in the air, the impact is always going to be greater coming down. Well, in, in a case like I was, in any case, I know that I was on my own this particular day, and uh, very, very sunny day. One of these days was visibility wasn't so great forward and it was flying along pretty low and the engine just stopped like that now the first thing you do is look out where am i going to put it like you know so i picked the field did a turn around come in and just dodged over where i put it down and uh well, what was going through your mind I mean, oh you, you don't get time to you don't get time you're concentrating on Survival. Exactly. Going by, go, going by the book and keeping the bloody thing flying. Yeah. I was responsible for it. <laughs> well, actually, this aeroplane was never used in the winter. It was just left thrown in a corner. And the amount of hours flying it did in the year was infinitesimal. But those cylinders were rusted up from lying and should have, should have been run or oiled when it was lying. Like, you know, that, that was the main reason for it stop. But in any case, Curran, Richard Curran. Do you remember him? He was flying at Bour. I was after landing at Bour and I took off and I was heading for I had a date with an old nurse down in I think, do you remember Dirty Nails they used to call her down in, 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 in Kerry? But in any case, that was beside the point. I was just down near Nina. Was it Nina? Yeah. And I landed in this field and I called up Curran I, the radio was working. I was able to call up Curran on the on the radio, and I told him what had happened. And of course, the answer he gave me: "F off, don't be cutting me." <laughs> I had an awful job to convince him, but I managed to get him to fly over, and he spotted me, dived in, and went off back. And he went into Dooley's hotel. Into what's your man that owned Dooley's? I can't think of his name now. But he came out with three or four others, and rescued me and we tied the aeroplane down and he brought me into back to the hotel and I always remember him setting up points to the end of the bar there and points to the other end he says you start here and when you're finished you can be in down there so that was it so uh, i tell you a funny thing about what you'd imagine it was a coincidence but I, you must have remembered that there was a telephone strike the telephone was wrong and I couldn't telephone back to Dublin to tell them do you see so we decided then for Richard Corn to go up on the aeroplane and catch some of the lads out over Dunboyne radio message back that I was stuck down here but then I said if you tell them that we're after Horst Lannan and everybody including the department and the dogs wallet well, so it was case of tell Katzen that I want an Allen key to take the radio out of the aeroplane that we have a snag and get somebody to fly it down so that's yeah. how, how we got back out of there yeah. well be, before the war in this end of the world it was all gypsy moths ty, gypsy moths 
Well, de Havilland aircraft. Reliability or what they? Oh, they were all fairly reliable, but um, uh, we're open cockpit, whereas the others are like a saloon car, like, you know, yes, covered yeah. in and you drive around in your short sleeves, whereas the others you have to be in your wall is wall and whatnot to fly the damn things. And, uh, so, and um, with any of those uh, biplanes? Oh, they're all biplanes. Were they? Oh, yeah, they? Uh, no, but modern ones are all monoplane, either high wing or low wing, but before the war they were all biplanes. Mostly biplanes, in any case, yeah. yeah. Well, the Austin was a popular car, very popular before the war, actually, yeah. And, of course, Austin and Morrison, they all got swallowed up with, with General, or at least, what is it, PMC, British Motor Corporation. That's right. We weren't an agent for any particular motor car there. We just sold anything and everything. Um, but I know in the early days we had cars that you... Well, we, ran, we had a big taxi service there, too. And we were running Dodges, Maxwell, Studi Bakers, and things like that. You never hear them now. Well, now, why? There's a Bell's was another one. American, why were all taxis American cars, or where did that come from? Well, they made, they made a car suitable, big. Well, we had them in the 20s. Did we? Oh, yeah. In fact, I think we used to have a couple of Rolls Royces for, as taxis. Yeah, did. And we had, I remember, the, it's a thing I never kept. My owner, I remember there was a beautiful calendar. And that very special fancy Mott getting into this thing, like on the chauffeur driver. And, and on the bottom was, if in case you might be late, ring up from Condra, 298. <laughs> that, was that, was, that was the telephone number. <laughs> and then underneath it was, if you're really late, ring up Fingless 5. Kildona was that your first experience, that was the yeah, first. Yeah. And of course, the war closed Kildona. Well, were, actually, the old man got out of it in, out of it in 34. It was continued on for a year by Lady Nelson. About 35. End of 35, she packed in. And then Lady Heat took it over. And she only lasted another year or so. And then it was, it was got over the north. What were the characters like? Do you remember... Um, Lady Nelson, were you there when we had her out to distribute the prizes? One, Peter collects her once. She had her own aeroplane there. She was a fine piece of an article too. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of ladies and lords that were, flying at that time. Where are they? Oh yeah, and then with Lady Heath, well of course she was, she, she had the greatest vocabulary I ever come across in all my life. Really? Yeah. Colourful. I, I, well, colourful, oh, yeah, colourful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I have to tell you this, that when I was a young fella, I wanted to go flying and somebody told her to jump into the front cockpit. And there's, in those days, there was no way, there was just a joystick. But you pull out a pin, you could take the stick out. And if you were carrying passengers, you didn't leave the stick in. So she jumped in, there was no stick. And I was flying away and coming in to land. She thought I was going too slow and she was, went looking for the stick, no stick. And, she tried to open the chat and I wouldn't let her. And the language, what she said on the phone to me, wasn't worth saying, like, you know. I was well, did people actually pay to go up for, like, the... Was there a little business carried on there? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. a little bit about that? Um, actually, there's people living just in houses just at the football pitch, and he brought, come over and brought, gave me photographs, and he tells me that we flew, and he gave me the photographs, I have the copies of the photographs, that they hired a foxmouth we had, to fly to Croydon and pick up their uncle who was terminally ill and the ones to get him home, they flew him home to Cork. And he, Armstrong, I think, 
went from here to Bristol and refueled. I have a photograph of the machine in Bristol. And there's a right, there was a right up in the paper there about the flight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with another f- flight um, in 1932 during the Congress, uh, some priest here missed the boat. Or, no, he missed the train, that's what it was. And we flew him to Cork to catch the liner, like, you know. And there was another one we flew from here to Southampton to get a boat during the Congress times. Well, I tell you one thing, I made an offer of friends and, in fact, gone around the world a bit and somehow or other run into people and they were in, indirectly knew me or some bloody thing like that, you know, especially when you get mixed up at the flying end, like, you know. Yes. I've ploughed or is it furrowed a few fields of that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like literally. <laughs> literally. Literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know?